It is a, um, or has been for me, a rather odd season, uh, this Thanksgiving weekend Advent thing. I, I don't know whether anybody else, I always thought that seemed like an odd combination. Like, why couldn't we have done Thanksgiving like one week before and then we'd had the separate Sundays, we could have really done something big, I don't know. Uh, but but this is really the beginning of our Advent season, and and Advent is this idea of anticipating something that's coming. Now, when I was a little kid, I don't know if any of you ever did this, but did any of you ever lay underneath the Christmas tree at Christmas time? Maybe you still do that. I don't know. <laughs> kind of lay underneath the Christmas tree, and I'd lay I'd lay there, and I'm looking up through the the lights and the branches and all that kind of stuff. So I've got one eye looking up and with the other eye, I'm poking all the presents. You know, I'm I'm kind of investigating what all's down here, uh, seeing whose name is where and what's going on. And in my house, uh, we had a lot of gifts from you know who. And uh, so that was always kind of fun because you didn't know quite what was going on with all that. But but somehow something good was happening with all that. And And I had this sense of expectation and anticipation for what was coming. And really, that is what we do in Advent. We are anticipating God's revealing himself to us in fresh and new ways in this season. And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about that idea of anticipation uh, for Christ's coming. And that is Advent. And and so, you know, that that's not a new thing. You remember that. in the Psalms, we have a lot of Psalms that uh, are called what they call messianic Psalms. They were they were Psalms written in one season, but were pointing towards the coming of the Messiah, which is what we celebrate at Christmas time. And, and so there's this thing that's going on. And, and you remember King David was one of the great writers of the Psalms. And, and he wrote a lot of Psalms, a lot of messianic Psalms. And he talked about this idea that there was a day coming that would bring an eternal kingdom. There was a day coming with truth and justice and, and all those kinds of things would be revealed. There was a day coming when, when the bondage and all the struggles of life would be o'er and there would be this, this great and mighty king that would come. Now, the interesting thing about David's Psalms is that David was writing out of a time period in the history of Israel that was really good. I mean... The kingdom was going well. They they were prosperous. They were happy. They were worshiping God. The God's presence was evident amongst them. And they were very excited about those things. But even in the midst of all the good things that were going on, David and others were still writing about this Messiah that was going to come. It really, from almost the time of the beginning of creation, there has always been this sense that God has this redeeming work that he's doing. God is promising to come in some amazing kind of way. And so David wrote about it in times of prosperity and times of good stuff. You perhaps remember as well the, the words of the prophets. The prophets typically wrote out of very difficult times in the history of Israel. Times of conquer when they'd been conquered by other countries or times when they had lapsed into horrible sin. Times when when things were not good. That was the message. There is a day coming when the Messiah will show up amongst us. And he's going to set us free. He's going to make all things right. He's going to he's going to be present among us and his kingdom will never end. 
That's what we find when we, we look at Isaiah's words. And you will recognize some of Isaiah's words. Uh, in the first service, I actually tried to uh, sing a little bit of this, but I, I probably should think better of it, although I really like the song. You know, you're familiar with Isaiah chapter 9, where it uh, says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us, I don't know, a child is given. You know, all that kind of stuff. So you remember, that comes from Isaiah chapter... You know, you guys didn't even smile at that. I mean, smile because it was good, smile because it was bad, do something. I don't know. I mean, I'm up here putting it out there. Okay. So anyway, so, you know, you kind of get it. This is, this is great news about the coming king. Isaiah chapter 9, it does say that. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Understand that? This great message of hope. And, and this is really cool, because if you read the verses just before these verses... Isaiah is reminding them, says, we've been in battle and our boots are covered with, sorry, we got lots of kids here, but our boots are messed up and, and, and our armor is dinged up and, you know, it, it has not been a good time. But there is a day coming. There's a day coming when all of that will be passed away. For unto us a child is given. Anticipation that comes. Think about the anticipation of Mary. The anticipation of Mary in Luke chapter 1. The angel comes to Mary, this this young lady, and says, For from you a child will be born. Savior. The king. Imagine what she's thinking. What in the world's going on? How will this be? <laughs> you remember the anticipation of Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And when he heard the message from the, the angel, he too had a song to sing. And he proclaimed it. It's my son who will make the way, make straight the paths in the wilderness for that one to come. Anticipation. John the Baptist himself. Now, Jesus has already been born. (laughs) Thirty years have passed, almost. And John the Baptist is still talking about this amazing work that the Messiah is going to do. By the way, folks, here we are. And he says, of this one, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. But he's coming. He's coming. We continue that process. We continue that whole idea of anticipation. It, it, it is part of the history and story of God with his people. And, and we continue that process. We sing songs like we've sung this morning. Come thou long expected Jesus. This anticipated coming of Jesus. We, we, we sang two verses of that song. Charles Wesley wrote that song in the early mid 1700s. 
He wrote, come thy long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Imagine this. This is this is really funny. The anticipation of the Messiah coming, the anticipation of of Advent is not just for the Israelites, it's not just for the Christians. There is this whole idea of the blessing of all nations through this Advent. Dear desire of every nation. Joy of every longing heart. We re-sing that second verse. The second verse says, Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts. Alone by thine all-sufficient merit. Raise us to thy glorious throne. We sing those words. Those are the actually the first and the last verses. I mean, I don't know how we got that going. Let's sing the first and the last verse one more time. But, you know, he actually wrote four verses. And I think the second two verses are just as beautiful. And they speak of a contrast of anticipation that I think is important for us to hear. The second verse talk, the real second verse talks about. The joy of this coming king. It says joy to those who long to see thee. Day spring from on high appear. Come thou promised rod of Jesse of thy birth. We long to hear or the hills. The angels sing news. Glad tidings of a birth. Go to him. Your praises bring Christ. The Lord has come to earth. The joy of anticipation. But the real third verse says this, and it speaks, I believe, of a reality that God breaks into our lives right where we live. It says, come to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end. By his life, he brings us gladness. Our redeemer, shepherd, friend, leaving riches without number, born within a cattle stall. This, the everlasting wonder, Christ was born Lord of all. This Christ who comes and identifies with us in our sorrows and identifies with us in our struggles, leaving all that he had and coming and becoming like us. It is the over and over continuous story of anticipation and expectation. Christmas, even today, holds this sense for us, right? Sometimes we take little rabbit trails around this expectation and anticipation. But it's still there. You know the whole idea of you know who? You know who? Ho, ho, ho. Is filled with this idea of expectation. It, it is it is that expectation coming that we go to the mall and we find there, you know, who saying, ho, 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 what can I do for you? Have you been to see, you know, who not a single one of you are going, well, how do you expect to get anything? OK, maybe not. 
The funny thing is this. We like Christmas. We even kind of like you-know-who. Oh-ho-ho. But this is the question. What if you knew... What if you knew that what you asked for was going to come true? What if you knew? Watch this video.
Three or four weeks ago on Facebook, and, and I thought, oh my goodness, I need to use that somewhere. And, you know, I, I, I really like it. It's just, I'm, I'm sappy. I like those kinds of things. I tend to, you know, cheer on those. How sweet. But, you know, there, there was, uh, there's something in that that, uh, that I think has something to say to us about Advent. And, and it's the little line, maybe you caught it at the end, and it, it was the little line that said, these guests never expected that what they asked for would actually come true. I mean, if they had, would you really have asked for socks and underwear? I mean, give me a break. I'm big screen TV, I like it. But, but you know what's kind of funny to me about that is is that... I think sometimes, sometimes we approach the Advent season in a very similar kind of way. That we're all excited about it, kind of. It's all really good, sort of. But could it really be true? Could it really be true? You see, Advent is not just about the celebration of something that happened 2,000 years ago. Advent is the expectation that God is in this very day breaking into our lives. And we wait with expectation for his arrival. You see, it's true. The angels in Luke chapter 2 showed up in the middle of the night to a bunch of shepherds out on the hillside. And they said, Rejoice! Glad tidings I bring to you, for today in the city of David, a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. It really happened. The prophet in the temple on the eighth day after Jesus' birth, Simeon. He says, God, you may take your servant now, for you have fulfilled what you promised, that my eyes would behold the Savior before my passing. Jesus himself took the book and he read from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, I have come to bring peace, to healing, set the captive free, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, all those things. And he says, today, these things have been fulfilled in your hearing. This Advent stuff, this God present with us, is not just a ho, 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 that's nice. Ho, 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 that's fun. 
But it is an invitation to us as God's people to think about Christ's coming to us in fresh new ways. I mean, what do you expect from Christmas in this season? Do you have your list made? Have you sent them off to Santa? It's important. Don't miss that. But beyond that, what do you think about? I'll tell you what I think about. I usually think about lots of extra work. I mean, digging out all the boxes out of the storage shed, you know. I'm looking down here. George is like, <laughs> with his head down. And Vera's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the way it works, George. Get over it. <laughs> I mean, that was my life. You know, all these boxes you come, all the decorations. It's not enough to have just one tree, right? You need a tree in every room. I don't know how we get through Christmas without that. We're going to find out this year, but uh, that ain't happening. One of the benefits of, you know, my situation. I have an expectation that I'm going to look a lot more like you-know-who at the end of it. I have this expectation that my wallet is going to be a little thinner. Well, not really my wallet, but, you know, bank account. Don't carry much money these days. But what is your expectation? What is your expectation with God in this season? Some months ago, uh, not months ago, weeks ago, I sat down uh, in a chair in one of my, okay, true confessions here, you know, I have a few misty-eyed moments by myself at home. Well, not fully by myself, God's there, but, and I have these little conversations about What is Christmas going to be like? And I began to write my own little Christmas list. And I said, God, I would like to know rest in this Christmas season. God, I'd like to not have a major meltdown at any particular moment through the holiday season. I'd like to know what it is to be, feel joy again. And not just sing about it, but actually feel it. I think you've got to sing it before you feel it. But, but that's kind of my list. I wonder what your list is, though. Not not the you know socks and underwear list, but the but the what do you want God to do in your life this Advent season? Where do you want Him to break into your life with rest or peace or joy 
or maybe a healing of a relationship or, or, or maybe just a step in the right direction. If relationships are so broken, sometimes they are. Maybe, maybe what we need is just to say, let's just kind of take a step towards being together. Holiday seasons are tough on families. Maybe you'd like the opportunity to talk to a neighbor or a coworker about Jesus. By the way, those little blue things, hold one of those up there, would you? Those are great little tools. Wave that up there. You all got one of those when you came in? Yeah. Those are great little tools to help you invite a neighbor to church. People will come if you ask them. If you don't ask them, they won't come. Maybe it's just God helped me to do that. What would be on your list this year? I'm going to ask our worship team if they come and and they're just going to play for a moment just softly. We're not going to sing, but just take a moment. And, and would you would you just settle your heart for just a second beyond the ho 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 of a gift and say, God, this is what I would love to experience with you this Advent season. Take a moment just to think, have a conversation with God about those things. Lord, in this Advent season, we come. We come to adore you, to worship you, to be quiet in your presence, to laugh and rejoice in your presence, to celebrate you. And in that process, Lord, we give you permission to come. Not with the, oh, that's a nice idea thing. But really with the expectation that, that God, you are going to break into our lives. And so we come. And we anticipate. We give you permission. Do what you want to do in us. And along the way, Lord, we celebrate your birth. And this day we celebrate your birth that points us to your death. 
broken body and shed blood. That's why you came. The greatest gift ever given. And so we pray, Lord, that today, even today, as we share in this broken body and this cup, would you speak to us? Reveal yourself to us in fresh ways. Ways that we need today. Not 2,000 years ago, but today, right here. Just show up. Speak to us. We thank you, Lord. And celebrate you, your death, your resurrection, your life. Bless us as we share in these elements. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.